Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. Cameron Drummond here, joined by a couple of fresh faces to the IDS Men's Basketball Podcast this season. Uh, to my left, you can't see it because we're inside a podcast studio, but you can visualize. To my left, I have Stefan Kreischnick, who normally and continues to be one of our women's basketball reporters at the IDS, but he was in attendance with me at Simon Scott Assembly Hall with reporting duties yesterday on Saturday for IU's upset over Michigan State. And to my right, I have Jared Rigdon, a fellow IDS scribe. He's an alumnus of the field hockey beat. He's also <laughs> the current baseball reporter. He actually works with Stefan on the baseball beat, but he also works for Indiana University Student Television as one of their men's basketball reporters. So, Steph, Jared, first time on the pod for each of you this season. Yeah, uh, you guys should definitely check out uh, base, Baseline Banter, our baseball podcast. I was about podcast. to plug that, but you want to plug but it out a little bit? I'll plug it myself. Uh, definitely listen to our podcast on idsnews.com. Um, but yeah, excited to be on, talk some men's basketball. Jared, are you excited? I'm thrilled, you know. I'm still kind of <laughs> living in the moment from IU's victory yesterday, so get ready to talk some basketball. It's kind of funny. It's um, it's IDS baseball beats past and present in the room right now to talk Why about you, basketball. Because, you always got to plug yourself. No, it's because me and Steph covered baseball last year. You and Rigdon are covering baseball this year. We did a pod last year. You and Rigdon do a pod this year for baseball. It's kind of... Hopefully, Rigdon likes working with me more than I liked working with Jay. Okay, enough of that now. <laughs> now, enough of it's that. Turned. All right, let's, let's focus on the basketball now. So, we're here to talk about, obviously, not just the events of Saturday, but the events of the past week. Uh, it's amazing how the past week has changed <laughs> the fortunes of Indiana basketball in terms of not just, you know, maybe a fringe berth into the NCAA tournament, but definitely their NIT hopes. So just general, the idea of postseason basketball extending into March or deep into March uh, for those in Bloomington here. So Indiana beats number 19 Wisconsin last Thursday night at home. and then Tuesday a, night. Or Tuesday night, excuse me. I'm losing all track of the days. And then Indiana comes out and defeats Michigan State on Saturday, 63-62. The Wisconsin game took double overtime. The Michigan State game came down to a final missed basket by Michigan State guard Cassius Winston. But the long and short of it is Indiana's got two more top 25 wins, albeit at home, on their resume. The first sweep of Michigan State in a season since 2012-2013, and only the second time since 1990-1991. And inconceivably as it may be for a team that went on a streak of losing 12 of 13 games, Indiana's back on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. Uh, so, Steph, I'll start with you. You covered MSU with me on Saturday. This was a game that the Spartans outplayed the Hoosiers in for very long stretches, as uh, Spartan coach Tom Izzo alluded to in his postgame presser. How did Indiana win it? Well, uh, I think that's kind of funny because uh, just thinking about after that Michigan State game, some of the text messages I was receiving was people asking me, like, what just happened? And I was like, I have to like write a write a story about this game, and I have no idea what just happened. Like, what all transgressed in front of me? I just have no idea what happened. But it's amazing because I mean, you had mentioned going into this week, everyone kind of thought IU was down and out, and everyone was saying if IU wins with, out, like, really good reason, yeah, too. with great reason, yeah. yes. But everyone was saying if IU wins out, wins a couple tournament games, they have a chance to get in. So we knew that, but we all thought they're not going to win out. Like. It, you could say a team, they could win out all season. They're going to go undefeated. But, like, you know that's not going to happen. So it just felt like we knew if IU won these games that maybe they'd be back on the bubble. But, like, we all thought they weren't going to, right? And it now, was like a great hypothetical. Yeah. And yeah. now, I mean, now they take down Wisconsin, take down Michigan State, and now there's great reason to believe that this is a team that could very likely win at Illinois at home against Rutgers. And you win one or two tournament games uh, there in March, I mean – they got to get in at that point, right? 
I mean, I mean being it's, it's almost a thing now where, and I guess, Jared, you've kind of, you know, watched the team all season, so mm-hmm. feel free to chime in as well. But Indiana does not need to necessarily beat good teams anymore. They just need to get wins. Yeah, I saw, I saw something on Twitter today that said every Big Ten team is now within the top 75 of the Ken Pomeroy rankings. Uh, or the uh, the net rankings. I can't remember which one it was, but either way, every Pomba, every yeah. every team in the Big Ten is solid. You saw Rutgers go on the road last night and beat Iowa handily, and then as a top twenty-five Iowa team, and Penn State took Wisconsin to the brink. They've taken Purdue to the brink, and they beat Michigan already. Yeah. So anybody in this conference can beat anyone. And yesterday, IU kind of got one of those performances that they've been accustomed to getting uh, from other teams against them. Against Northwestern, Falzone stepped up and hit a bunch of clutch shots to beat IU. Jordan Bohannon's done that a lot for Iowa yesterday. Justin Smith and Devontae Green, two unexpected presences on the offensive front, step up combined for 37 points. I don't think anyone saw that coming, especially <laughs> Justin Smith, uh, and led IU to a victory in a game that Juwan Morgan kind of got frustrated a little bit in. He's kind of getting beat up down low. Uh, and Romeo didn't have his most solid of performances. Yeah, yeah. well, let's, I was going to touch on that real quick. So this was the first time all season that both Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford, that neither of them scored at least 10 points in a game because there's been very isolated moments this season. Uh, Purdue on the road, uh, obviously, Saturday's game, and I think one other occurrence that doesn't come to me right now, that Langford scored 10 or less. He's, you know, I usually didn't score a very dependable in that regard. Morgan's been a bit more hit or miss. He had that really bad offensive game at home against Ohio State. But for the most part, you have, you know, moments like against Butler earlier this year where you know he can dominate from an offensive perspective. But, I mean, Justin Smith scoring a career-high 24 points. He had a season high at halftime with 16, and then the second half was just the Devontae Green show. He had 11 points um, in the second half, 13 total off the bench. That came so out of left field and was so on par with just how ludicrous the season's gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think something that we everyone talked about before the season was IU is only going to be as good as Justin Smith is. I heard that a lot because everyone knew the potential he had not only to make flashy plays but like to be a good player. And it just ha- he hasn't lived up to those expectations. And I think we saw against Michigan State that when Justin Smith plays well and, and I mean, when you have Romeo and Jawan struggling that – when Justin Smith steps up, you can win games, win games against really good teams because Justin Smith has potential to be a really good player. So that came I, – I felt like that really showed against Michigan State. And then, another, I mean, another guy, Devontae Green, we all knew how good Devontae could be. It's just how inconsistent he is. It's just also how bad Devontae can yeah, be. Yeah, because Devontae Green will give you a step back three when you need it most and then go on the other end and just make a boneheaded play. So, I mean, to see him step up in the way he did, I don't think anyone saw that coming because I felt – if felt like and we were talking about this during the game like it's going to be justin smith or Devontae blowing it right because they played all well all <laughs> okay, game when is it gonna, it's a matter yeah, of what's, when, gonna when's it gonna stop when, well, well, when the, they gonna the thing blow that was kind of funny is like i mentioned so smith has 16 points in the first half and like got hit three three pointers tied his career high maybe set a new career high so that's just insane from the point of he was hitting deep distant shots which has been one of you know the trademark things where if justin smith's taking it's a, usually when you see him pull off everyone starts to groan in the yeah. crowd but to, and then yesterday it was Oh, look, Justin's wide open. He might hit this shot today. There are two things that stand out to me out of the box score. It's A, like you mentioned, Justin Smith and Devontae combined for six made three-pointers. Yeah. Tom Izzo was asked how to defend Justin Smith, <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. He's never hit those shots before. He said, I think one of his quotes was the last time he hit that was before dawn or something like that. If you get a chance, go online just somehow and watch Tom Izzo's press conference from yesterday's game. It's it's something, let me tell you. I've never seen a coach more defeated or just kind of more, like, 
abjectly disappointed in how a Not team even Archie. lost a game. No, because Archie <laughs> will give you full answers and stuff like that. Tom Izzo would just give like a sentence answer and just be so disengaged with whatever reporter's question asked him. It was weirdly Justin, you know, interesting. Justin and Devontae yesterday combined for only two turnovers. I've seen mm-hmm. Devontae turn the ball over four times within one minute before. Yep. So in IU as a total, eight turnovers. And Romeo Langford had two of them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, eight turnovers in a forty-minute ball game against a top probably going to win that game. That's that's impeccable ball control by the Hoosiers. I mean, you give Rob Finnessy, Al Durham, and Devontae Green combined for only three turnovers. Those are your primary ball handlers. I mean, that's remarkable. It's it's hard to lose a ball game turning the ball over only eight times. Yeah, and I think one thing that's overlooked uh, in that box score is the three steals Devontae Green had. I mean, in oh, that yeah. in that second half when IU kind of started to gain momentum. Uh, they were down. I can't remember how much they were down, but I know they went on a run. They cut it to one. They cut the deficit to one. And it was, it was, it was time about out. ten points for a little bit of that second half. Then IU goes on like a six oh seven oh run just to yeah. get the juice going again. And it, it just seemed like on one end, Devontae was flashy on offense, doing what we know he could. But then on the other end, just with very active hands, reaching and getting steals. He had three steals in the game. I felt like that was what really shifted a lot of the momentum and why why IU was able to win the game. And we've seen how good he can be on defense. I mean, in that game at Iowa, that IU. Had a very good shot of winning. They probably should have won that game. Oh, they definitely should have won that game. Devontae yes. Green was playing amazing defense on mm-hmm. Bohannon. I mean, there's nothing you could do when you're all over a guy. He just bangs a three every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing Devontae could have done better in that situation. So Devontae can be a really good asset on defense, and I thought that showed against Michigan State. Yeah, I was in Iowa City for that game, and like literally one of the takeaways I had just sitting and watching it was the thing about Devontae Green is he's a real – Indiana is an effort-based team. We've seen what happens when the effort and just the willingness to play goes away with that 21-point loss at Minnesota. And, of course, beating Michigan State twice, beating Wisconsin, even the Marquette game shows what this team can do when it's at its potential. Devontae Green kind of embodies that kind of spirit when you look at him defensively because if he's making the effort to fight through screens, if he's making the effort to constantly have a hand in the opposing guard's face around the three-point line, if he's you know making the necessary cuts to stay with a guy on defense – then he's one of the best defenders on the team. And at the same time, if you get lazy Devontae Green on defense, then you could get cooked. Yeah. And also, you know, kind of Rigdon's point there on, uh, you know, Devontae Green on offense. We saw responsible Devontae Green on offense, too. There were times where he could have taken that step back three. And, like, you know he wants to take that step oh, back yeah, three. Oh, yeah, that's his favorite shot in the book. <laughs> and then he'd, like, you could see there was, like, you know, a bit of restraint there. He wasn't making too many of the flashy one-handed passes that, you know, kind of become a trademark. He did have that really sweet lob, too. I think it was Justin Smith. Yeah, yeah. In it almost looked like he just was, like, he didn't really know when he was going to yeah. throw it because he just kind of just waited for a while. But Justin's so athletic, he can grab it about anywhere and put it down. Right, so like you saw a lot better decision-making from Devontae Green as well. And one of the more bizarre things about this Indiana team, too, this season is, regardless of you know whether this team's been winning games or losing games or the stretches of, game, or stretches of like winning basketball they've been playing or not, this team has shifted its offensive identity a lot just in terms of who the most important offensive player is. There were stretches in non-conference play where it was clearly Romeo Langford, it was clearly Jawan Morgan, and sometimes it was Rob Finnessy as well. Al Durham even had a run or two. Then, even as the losses came on, Deron Davis, past two or three weeks, really became the most important offensive player. I wouldn't be shocked if, as the season you know comes to a close here and the tournament starts, if Devontae Green doesn't become the most yeah, important it's, player. It's weird, and yesterday I kind of noticed as the game progressed, but I mean, Al Durham started the game but only played 22 minutes. Devontae Green ended up playing 26. Towards the end of the game, yep. Archie Miller took out Al Durham in favor of Devontae Green, which you don't see very often because Al Durham's a pretty reliable player. But, I mean, Al Durham finishes with just three points in 22 minutes while Devontae gets 13 and 26. 
So he was really efficient in the time he got yesterday and didn't do anything to make Archie take him out of the ballgame. And I think when he does that, when Ar- when Devontae does things that allows Archie to have confidence in him, Arch- Archie's more willing to let him take those big shots or, or make those big plays and, and make those big, uh, play those big minutes instead of pulling him uh, late in the game like he did against Wisconsin when he had eight minutes and 50 minutes of the ball game. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, aside from Romeo, I think Devontae, when he's playing well, is the best scorer on the team. I think he's a better scorer than Juwan is. It's just a matter of he doesn't show up sometimes. He doesn't. We all know his potential just doesn't show up. He's he's the best free throw shooter on the team, probably the best three-point shooter on the team. Aside from, I mean, is Evan Fitzner the best three-point shooter on the team? Nobody knows. Statistically <laughs> speaking, uh, <laughs> but I mean, let's throw stats out the window and let's put in some realism here. Yeah, Devontae yeah. is probably the best shooter on the team. So when he steps up and when he plays his potential, he's the second best scorer on the team, and that is amazing for someone like Romeo because it's going to create more space for him. I mean, Devontae, if when he's shooting, he can space the floor as well, and you got Jawan who can space the floor. I mean, that's a lot of assets that can open up room for Romeo. And I think we saw late in that second half, there was a stretch where once IU started getting going, once Romeo started feeling more confident in himself, started playing a little bit better, he was calling for the ball. He was being really aggressive, calling for passes and taking it to the lane. And I think everything just kind of worked well. When Romeo's aggressive, when Devontae's hitting shots, when I mean, when Justice Smith is going off. When Jawan Morgan's rebounding the way he was yesterday, yeah. led all players with 11, had a massive, just insane one-handed, I'm going to get this ball mm-hmm. ahead of, in a crowd of like three people, like landing like a ballerina inbounds and dished yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean, when Jawan can crash the board, I mean, Jawan is one of the best rebounders in the Big Ten, so he doesn't necessarily need to be a guy that's scoring 15, 16 points for you. If you can get Devontae and Justin and then obviously Romeo to play the way that they can, then Jawan can focus more on getting inside, crashing the boards, and creating second-chance opportunities. So I think the stats might not show that Jawan had a great game offensively, but what he was able to create for the team in terms of spacing the floor, I mean, he had a big three late in that game. In terms of spacing the floor, grabbing offensive rebounds, making second-chance opportunities, that's when Jawan is at his best, when he's able to create for other players. And Jawan had a couple, as as I could describe it, grown man plays. Those yeah. are only plays that a, a yeah. fourth-year senior makes. Yeah. He had the one and one where he kind of just got hit in the face it and chucked up, it up. That ended up being the winning points, or the free throw was the winning and point. And then he had that big one-handed rebound where he kind of just reached back yep. and grabbed it under exactly. the basket with one hand. I mean, Jawan has made countless plays near the end of the game that has come up huge that you don't expect people to make plays kind of does. He played late in the game, he played a lot like you would expect Duran to play. So I feel mm. like he almost when IU beat Michigan State the first time around, it's because Duran was able to play strong inside and be very Especially once Morgan went out with the Yeah, the with the injury. Yeah. The so I feel half. like with Duran not being hundred percent healthy Jawan really stepped in and played that big guy role, which I think a lot of people in terms of him going to the NBA, a lot of people might scout him in terms of his size or might doubt him in terms of his size. So I think what he showed against Michigan State is, I mean, he really, like you said, he played like a grown man out there. And yeah, just kind of to, to close up the Devontae Green thing real quick, I've been beating this drum for at least two months now. Beating this drum in? I've been beating the drum. I'm going to ignore that really bad pun. <laughs> the thing that has hurt Indiana the most in Big Ten games has been the fact that they don't have one guy who can consistently be the X factor and you know pull a Marcus Howard or pull a Carson Edwards and just go on a scoring tear because that's what Jordan Bohannon did in both Iowa games. That's you know what two or three guys on the Michigan Wolverines can do and did do in their home and away series with Indiana. And when Devontae Green is on, he can be that guy because he's more of that guy than Romeo is. Because Romeo, as good a score, as good as getting to the basket and finishing at the rim as he can do. You don't really expect Romeo to go on a tear of, you know, 
scoring three straight three-pointers by himself or just having the aggression to score, you know, four straight baskets. That's just not who he is as a player, especially in this offense. And then defenses are still are going to be more prone to double team. No one is going to yeah. guard Devontae Green, especially from his range, because he can pull up from just about anywhere, and he can knock it down. That's the thing. He'll get a one-on-one matchups, and that's probably where he's best. And he played at. pretty well yeah. driving to the paint too. He yesterday. can drive to the paint. He can pull up. He can come off the ball screen. Uh, I mean, no one realizes Devonte Green's potential just because there's so much bad Devonte that when yeah. you get good Devonte, no one really realizes it. I mean, I 100 agree with what Cam is saying. I mean, as we all know how good Romeo is, and honestly, if I had to pick one guy for IU to score 30 points, I'm going to pick Romeo. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that teams are better prepared to not allow Romeo yeah. to go on that trip. Because yeah. if Romeo starts feeling they're going to double-team him or something, so it has to be someone like a Devontae Green that steps into that role that can take over a game because It has to be an outside defense, shooter with yeah. the way that they pack the yeah. pan against Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this means that teams are going to, you know, turn more of an eye towards defending Devontae Green or, I guess, for that matter, Justin Smith because Michigan State was— I mean, If they do, that'll help Romeo. Yeah. So— the more that the non-Jawan or Romeo guys factor into this Indiana offense, obviously the better, not just from an in-game perspective, but just what's Illinois going to have to do now to try and game plan? I know I'm saying, I'm saying Illinois probably wrong. I say it like a guy from Texas who's been to Illinois like twice in his life. But anyway, what, okay. what are they going to do to try and you know counteract Devontae or Justin Smith while still Michigan State threw a ton of double teams at Juwan Morgan. Obviously, Romeo Lankner finished 4-14 from the field. So there's more guys you have to account for now. And uh, just to close up the talk of Michigan State here right before we go to the break, uh, I kind of feel obligated to talk about this just based on some of the social media stuff I've seen. But Indiana fans, man, they Mm. stormed the court after the win yesterday. (laughs) How could they? Um, It was a delayed storming of the court. No one really realized what to do. It wasn't quite I'm sure. I think the Barstool guys... Made, Storm chasers. made it more likely to happen. The, but the barstool, stores, uh, bar, excuse me, barstool sports presence factoring into the yes. the crowd storming a bit. What do you guys um not necessarily make of that, but I guess what's your kind of like overall opinions on that stuff? I mean, on one hand, it's college basketball and this is organic and student led, and on the other hand, you have people who are like Indiana, Kentucky, UCLA tradition. You know how dare oh, they? Please. Yeah. Well, first Grace all. Assembly Hall with a court storming of you know Indiana against a team that. You know, yeah. India has more national titles than. Okay, first of all, court storming is fun. And these college kids, it's a noon tip off for college kids on a Saturday. They just beat the number six team in the nation after, and they're 14 and 14 at the time. And Indiana's still like and not that good. By the guys. way, IU hasn't yes. been nationally relevant in about 25 years. <laughs> outside of the couple aside years. Aside from the, the, the old one, depot, yeah, stretch, outside yeah. of the couple years of the Korean era that were actually hey, very let, let's good. Let's go back to, or uh, let's go back to the early 2000s. Mike Davis had that team. In the Mike Davis game. had one team that shouldn't even have been in the final four, but I mean, it's it's the number ten, it's the top ten team in the nation. You just meet Michigan State again. Mm-hmm. It's the first, actually, like really good win they've had in a while at home. They had Wisconsin, but that doesn't have the same gravitas. I mean, this is the best State. home win they have. They've, this is the best what was that word you home used? win they have. Gravitas. Wow. Yeah, big word. But, I mean, they've had a couple big wins, but they haven't had big ones since November, November or December. I mean, it's a noon tip-off. Let the kids have fun. It didn't hurt anybody. I mean, uh, we've had we've seen incidents where it's where people have gotten – players have gotten pushed down or the Nevada incident last night. Nothing, nothing went wrong. I mean – I don't. I don't get the idea that people are, are so mad over storming the court. I literally could not care less about this. <laughs> I, I I cannot believe how frustrated people get about this stuff. Like, who cares? The the only disgrace to Simon Scott Assembly Hall has been a subpar basketball team all season. All right, the disgrace is not fans storming the court. If you 
We saw this with the Matt Harms chance earlier this year. Stefan wrote and a then, column about it. Read it. IDSU.com yes, slash sports. The Matt Harms chance. People storming the court. If you're... If those are what you're concerned about college kids doing, like, please. Like, college kids are doing a lot worse things than storming the court. Please find something better to do with your time. Like, who cares? If IU beat... If IU beats Rutgers and people storm the court, I literally do not care. Like, I don't care. Like, you're just storming the court. You're celebrating a win. And you know what? What happened Saturday night in, people, in terms of people celebrating the win was probably a lot worse than what happened Saturday afternoon inside Assembly Hall. So, if you – I just I just don't care. Don't care. Like, I don't care. <laughs> do you care about this, Stefan? I don't. I don't care. I really don't care. If just you want to storm the court, let the kids have fun at two o'clock in the could, I mean, I don't know what the player's reaction has been, but I'm sure, like, oh, for a player like the, if you go on social media, you see a ton of people with pictures of Deron Davis, Jake yeah, Deron seemed to embrace it all. I walked out of the media room and people were lined up down Assembly Hall. Yeah. I thought they were lined up for my autograph, but they were really lined up for Jalons. <laughs> so I kind of disappointed them there. But yeah, people are trying to embrace this team as much as possible, and you let them go and party it up on the floor with all these guys that that they go to school with. I mean, you got to people forget these are our classmates. We have classes with these players. We see them every day. So why not have a little fun with them and show it's, them that we care for them? As long as no one gets hurt. I mean, obviously, if it gets out of hand and someone gets hurt or whatever, like you mentioned in the Nevada situation, I mean, if something like that happens, then it's a totally different story. But, like, everything was fine. Like, everything and the, was okay. And the Big Ten, like, there are some conferences that have a problem with it. Like, SEC will find teams. Fine teams, yeah. But the Big Ten oh, please. traditionally does not have a, a problem with this happening. And guess what? It doesn't happen at IU very much. No, I, think, so, I, think, I believe I saw someone say this was the first court storming everyone to call it Indiana in about three years. It was ever since, I think, I think when IU beat Wisconsin in Yogi Ferrell's sophomore year with uh, Noah Vonley. Yeah, that would have been the year before Aaron I was Gordon. here, two years before Stefan, three years before you, I guess. So it was so. right after uh, Oladipo and all them left. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You don't care, do you? It doesn't matter. It's. I mean, it probably like like you had mentioned, the players probably embraced. I mean, think about a guy like Devontae or Justin, like who heard so much like terrible stuff said about mm-hmm. them from fans, from people in the media. I mean, it, that's got to be really reassuring mm-hmm. to them yeah. to, to have people storm the court. I don't know. It doesn't I mean, matter. It's all a confidence thing. IU fans, after the IU Rutgers game, if IU wins. Storm the court. Senior day, man. Storm, Storm the it court. For Johnny Jagger. Do it for Johnny. We have to have the pregame speeches go down sometimes. So let's okay, let, let the chaos. speech let's the, let the speeches then go off the court. and then storm the court. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, just the atmosphere around campus, the atmosphere around Bloomington, when Indiana has a good basketball team, let alone a good singular win like this, is just completely different than, you know, what it's been for large portions of this season. So I guess we'll see kind of how that carries into the final couple games, and we'll get you set for those games and get another women's basketball update from Stefan. The women's team just finished up senior day about, what, two or three hours ago, so he'll talk a bit about that, and uh, we hope you'll stick with us here on the IDS Men's Basketball Podcast. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. Welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. Still the same trio here with you talking IU hoops. Cam Drummond, Stefan Kreisnick, and Jared Rigdon, our special guest from IUS TV today. 
So, guys, looking ahead here, we've dissected and deciphered the Michigan State victory about as well as we could do. I do want to add that Cassius Winston from Michigan State is the best player I've seen on a basketball court this season. Uh, Didn't you just, go to Duke? Dude's electric, yes. He had a really quiet 20 You're going to tell me— Yes. You're going to tell me Cash Winston is better than RJ or, or Zion? Yes. Oh, please. He's more important to the team. Fine. I'll, okay, I'll so amend that's, it. That is a different. Okay. I'll amend that's it different. slightly. Look, that's if, if Cash Winston has both shoes on and neither's exploding, that dude. Hey, Justin Smith's shoe exploded and he didn't leave the game. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, that was, a, ahead, that was a terrible take, but anyways. Moving ahead from Michigan State, let's take a look at how Indiana's going to finish the season. We have a game in Champaign, Illinois. Thursday night, and then senior day next Sunday afternoon, home against Rutgers before the Big Ten tournament next week during Indiana's uh, spring break for students in Chicago, Illinois, at the United Center. So I guess let's kind of just start with these final two games against Illinois and Rutgers. This is an Indiana team that, even when it was doing well, kind of had to scrape past Illinois back way at the start of 2019 for, I think it was an eight-point home win. They got to 3-0 in conference play, and that was the last victory they had for a while there before while the you know kind of tailspin was going on and then of course uh kind of one of the lower points of indiana season and what lo was the lowest point when it happened was the loss at the rack in piscataway to the scarlet knights really in the middle of that brutal stretch of basketball so it's not an easy question to answer because indiana basketball is not an easy team to figure out but how do, does this hoosier team stay kind of emotionally grounded and able to win games that they should win after maybe winning a couple games that were a little more toss-up or took a little bit more effort to, to get the job done. i got to imagine a road game in Illinois is the last thing that Archie Miller wants to see on the schedule right now. I mean, this is a game that obviously you should win. I mean, this is a 10-18 and 18 Illinois team that has played well in conference play. They're half a game ahead of IU in the standings right now in the Big Ten. Uh, we're all half a game better than IU. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a place where IU has struggled a lot over the last five to ten years. They lost last year to an abysmal Illinois team. That was the Devontae that was peak bad Devontae. Uh, there have been a couple of bad miscues and bad plays there over the uh, over the years. But uh, mm -hmm. this, is a, a team, this is a game you should win. Uh, and, and IU's just got to have Juwan Morgan come up and say this to the players, have Zach McRoberts say, like, all right, guys, we've put ourselves back into the position. This is not the game to blow it. Because if you lose this one, it's done. It's done. There's no question to ask. And you pretty much have to win it handily. Uh, and yeah, you're if, fighting. You, if you lose either of these games, Illinois yeah. Rutgers, you're probably looking at having to reach the final, if not win the Big Ten. Yeah, you're fighting right. for Big Ten positioning right now. I mean, you're a game behind Rutgers. You're uh, two games behind Minnesota and half a game behind Illinois. So you're fighting to see whether you're going to play in the 7-10, the 8-9, uh, or potentially have to still play on Wednesday, and they don't want to play on Wednesday. Uh, so this is a game they have to win, and they have to come out firing at all cylinders at the beginning of the game. And they have to have a, a strong start and a strong finish. Yeah, I think what what's very frustrating about this team at times, they just played at a level of competition. I felt yes. like we saw this last year as well with the team, but especially this year. I mean, when they play a good team, they play really strong. When they play a bad team, they play down a level of competition like mm -hmm. they did at Rutgers or at Minnesota. So I think – as long as what's up at Northwestern at Northwestern yeah so I think as long as you you play your bat your way of basketball and you do what you've been doing these last couple last couple weeks I mean if they play with the same effort they played with against Purdue they're gonna beat Illinois like that that's that's without going without question that's what's gonna happen but you can't go out there and play like you have done when you played in those terrible stretches where it just looks like you don't care or give any type of effort out there. So I think as long as they stay to their their style of play and keep doing what they've been doing, these are two 
not to say they're winnable games is an understatement. I feel like at this point, these are two games you should win, and yep. you, if you want any shot of the postseason, you better win. There'll be a ve- two very rare games where Indiana is actually probably gonna be favored to win. Yeah, so I think, and I think it could be a, like, not to say a redemption game, but maybe something along those lines for Devonte because that pass he made to Juwan right off of Juwan's foot last year was atrocious, <laughs> and. <laughs> I think if with how we played against Michigan State, if he carries that momentum with the mindset of a chance to redeem himself for last year's game, we couldn't see a good Devontae again. But it just this has IU losing written all over it, right? Like I like we all think IU's gonna win, but like we all know that like with the way this season has gone, that they could very likely lose. So I I have no idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see how Indiana kind of handles. The two guys from Illinois who gave him real fits in that earlier game this season, because uh, Illinois has a freshman guard Io Dunsumo out of Chicago and a freshman forward, uh, more like a center, because he's six nine. Georgie, I'm gonna try to do this correctly. He's from Bez Hanishvili from Georgia, like the country. Yes, very, yeah. very good, solid overall player. They gave IU a lot of fits in the first game, but I think, well, first of all, I'm looking at the box score from the first game, and it's pretty interesting to see how the times have changed. In the first mm-hmm. game, Zach McRoberts, Evan Fitzner, and Demise Anderson combined to play mm. 32 minutes. Uh, last Demise. Saturday, they combined for three minutes and zero points. Uh, and part, so, of, part of that's McRoberts, you know, kind of having nagging back yeah, and, but and ankle injuries. Demise and, and Evan have surely fallen out of favor. Absolutely. Yeah. Grace Thompson will take whatever minutes they have. Clifton Moore. Yeah, you have to think Demise and Evan Fitzner will be back in the starting 11 anytime soon. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this is a game. The starting first time we're not starting eleven. The first time good. it's I'm making trying to make soccer references. Good try with They're the numbers. They're in favor. There. All right, first the, Romeo Langford, twenty eight points the first time around, yes. eight for 13, 11 for fifteen from the free throw line. So Romeo kind of had his way the first time, and there's really not a guy on on Illinois team that can stay um, blow for blow with Romeo Langford because he's so athletic, he's so strong, and he's so long. Just to put it that way, he can get to the basket at ease, and Illinois is not going to be able to stop him. Juwan Morgan, 15 points the first time around on 4-9 shooting. So the starting lineup for IU is going to have the ability to put this game out of reach pretty early because mm-hmm. they're so talented, they're so athletic. Uh, it's just a matter of if the back end of that group, like Deron Davis can play well, like a Devontae Green can play well, and then Al Durham can play well, then IU should be in pretty good position to win this ballgame. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle – Maybe not the toughest road environment, but but playing on the road because despite them beating, I mean, despite Wisconsin, Michigan State being ranked so highly, mm-hmm. there was a feeling that anytime IU plays at home, that they're a better team, they have more of a shot to win. So going oh, yeah. on the road is is way different, especially for this IU team. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, and something that's kind of interesting from that first game too is while guys like Donsumo and Bez Vili gave Indiana the most problems, Trent Frazier. Is kind of thought of as Illinois' best player, the sophomore guard. He did give IU a lot of troubles last year. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And like, just kind of you know lumping in the Rutgers game as well. Let's not. I'm not going to go too, you know, position specific against Rutgers because yes, Indiana lost the first game, but frankly, home senior day given NC or excuse me, IU's NCAA tournament hopes probably continuing to be in the balance for that game. That's less of a matchup thing, I think, in terms of position by position, and just more, is Indiana going to be emotionally correct? Are they going to want it more? Are they going to come out flat again like they kind of did against Michigan State, but they were able to wrestle that game away? Because I think that's one of the more important lessons from the Michigan State win that Indiana can take for these final two games is even 
if the opponent gets out to an 8-2 to run to start or a 9-0 run, Indiana finally has a game where it can point to and say, we didn't necessarily, you know, go blow for blow for them for most of the game. There was a team clearly in the driver's seat. Indiana wrestled over from the passenger seat, took control of the wheel, and just kind of sped down the highway towards a W. Yeah, I think, I mean, Juwan Morgan is the heart and soul of this IU ball club. And his senior day, I mean, people don't realize it, but Juwan Morgan's been one of the better IU players of this century. I mean, hasn't had the teams. Yeah, hasn't had the team. Him. I mean, he's he's only been to one NCAA tournament appearance his freshman year, which he didn't even play at all very much. I mean, so you got to think that he's going to look at this game like if we can win this, we have a legitimate shot of getting back into the tournament, getting to a place he hasn't been in three years. He's going to want to get there, so he's going to come mm-hmm. out. He's going to play strong. Zach McRoberts final game, uh, and then it's well, Fitzner, T- Taylor, and Jagger's final game. But I don't yeah. think they're having much say in what the outcome of the game is. Their final game might have actually been a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Evan Fitzner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is worth noting Johnny Jager's list as a redshirt junior on the roster, so he does have one more year of eligibility. But obviously a guy who transferred to Indiana after playing at Wabash for a bit, has aspirations of being a basketball coach at, you know, the college level one day, kinda why he got, you know, transferred here back when Tom Crean was coach. So he's definitely more of a behind the scenes X's and O's guy, but obviously all of them still kinda play Traditional a role in practice. Hype man. Yep, as they the say. Bench mob. Bench mob he elites. was getting into it on Saturday, so I got to admire He has some that. of the best bench mob celebrations on the Indiana bench. I love the raising the roof. Just raise the roof. I <laughs> There's love that. a feature idea right there for you, Ken. Johnny Jager's role in his team. So before I have we no go, comment on that. <laughs> before we go into the women's update from Stefan, uh, just want to touch on the tournament real quick. Indiana has always been bad in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, there's kind of like just no way around that. Uh, they've never won it, uh, even in years when they've had really strong teams like the Zeller, Oladipo. Yogi Ferrell. Last teams. time they were one seed, they didn't even win a game. So. Exactly. I think they lost to Michigan on that buzzer yep, beater yep. And in, back when it was an in Indy. the corner in front of Nick Zisloff. Yep. So this team, if they went out, probably needs one team, one win, excuse me, in the Big Ten tournament to feel kind of safe, and two wins in the tournament to you know feel really good about their spot as an NCAA at large team. They're looking down the barrel of probably playing in Ohio State or Minnesota at this rate. Two teams they could beat. And two teams they've lost to this season. Two teams they've lost to. The Minnesota one a little bit more far fetched, but Ohio State, they're currently have Caleb Wesson. He got suspended. Yeah. Blasted on the road at Purdue. I think ended up losing by like thirty or something like mm-hmm. that. They were down by forty for a while. Purdue about to win the Big Ten. Again. Worth mentioning. And we'll see how that goes in the tournament. Yeah. Um but, yeah, I use looking at the barrel playing Ohio State and Minnesota, maybe a 7-10, 8-9 game, depending on how these last two games wrap up for all these teams. Um, it could be an interesting storyline. If they get one win, they could be looking at playing maybe a Michigan State again for a third time. And who knows, if they could sweep Michigan State three times, all three there's, times no there's no doubt that I use a, a lock to be in the They might even miss the first four yeah, if think, they could beat Michigan State oh, three yes. times. I think you don't want to face a team that you've faced already twice this year. I think that's hard to beat a team three times. Hardest thing in sports is to beat a team three times. And they've well, they haven't beaten Purdue or Michigan once. (laughs) And maybe (laughs) maybe that'll give them some luck as playing one of those teams. I've always thought about that. If I was a coach, I would definitely try and rig matchups to be in my favor. Like if I like if I was Archie Miller right now and I was looking at the Big Ten tournament thing, I'm looking at who everyone else is playing to end the season, and I'm just trying to avoid ways to be able to to not play Michigan in round. Three I would want to be the whatever. 10 seed, play Ohio State in the first round, and then get Michigan in the second round. Really? I, if, if I was IU, I don't trust them against Minnesota. Ohio State, uh, they definitely— you want to get that initial win, right? They definitely matched up well against Ohio State the first time. And Those are some ugly Had they not played State. just horrific basketball, perhaps part. what I called their worst, ma- their worst game of the year, uh, 
If they had not played so poorly, they would have beaten Ohio State handily. Well, here's the thing. There are 13 other teams in the Big Ten, aside from IU. IU has how many conference wins? Five, I believe? Six. Six. None of those conference wins were, like, running away nice and comfortable. They've all... I think they've combined to win six conference games, about 20-ish yeah. points. Down to the wire against Northwestern, down to the wire against Penn State, same against Wisconsin, twice against Michigan State, and then Illinois, eight-point win, I mean, but like they got pushed all the way. Mm-hmm. But like, so, I mean, it's not necessarily like one matchup, I guess, is overly favorable. I mean, the worst team in the conference by far is Northwestern, and Northwestern beat Indiana. So it'll be tight, however it kind of plays out, not only to end the regular season, but also into the conference tournament as well. And we'll keep you covered as best we can at idsnews.com slash sports for all of that coverage. And now I will turn over the reins to Stefan. IU women's basketball is done with their regular season. They defeated Purdue by how many points today? 22. That's a lot. Senior day at Assembly Hall. It looked like, at one point, it looked like they were going to win by 40. They lost the fourth quarter by like nine points. I don't think they really <laughs> cared anymore. <laughs> so but, they're done and dusted. What's the team at? What's the you know the mood the uh, the environment looking like entering the Big Ten tournament this coming week in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think they're in a little bit of a similar situation to the men's, which is kind of weird because they're nineteen eleven overall and uh, eight and ten finished eight and ten in the conference. Uh, they don't have as many impressive wins as as a men's team does, but they also only have one or two bad losses. So the resume isn't terrible. They're going to need to win probably two tournament games to make it in. They only won one tournament game last year and were obviously left out and yeah. went on to win the WMIT. Yeah, so they're probably – they could get away with maybe winning one game, but it's looking like they're going to end up being – they're going to be a 10 or 11 seed right now, which is uh, – obviously that's the difference between playing on Wednesday and Thursday. So it's a matter of the rest of the Big Ten games uh, finishing up. I mean, they'll be done by the time the podcast is released, but we don't know yet how that's all going to finish. Um, I don't, the team is – it's an interesting team because they're very inconsistent, which I feel like this this season between the men's and women's team has been so similar and it's absolutely incredible. But the team went on a stretch where it lost about uh, – I think it was three games in a row. And then they come out uh, last Thursday and they beat uh, number 10 Iowa at, or at Assembly Hall. Best win of the season. Easily, easily the best win of the season. And then they go on the road at North- Northwestern, one of the weaker teams in the Big Ten, and lose by 20. And, I mean, when I say lose by 20, like, they did not want to be there. They they should have lost that game by 50. They had no business being in that game. I mean, Grace Withrow scored three points in an IU loss. You know how bad it went. Um, <laughs> but then they come out senior day against Purdue. Purdue is a, another bubble team, looking like that's how it's going to pan out for them, is being on the bubble again. Um, and, I mean, they just flat out – not only did Purdue look bad, but I mean the way the way that IU was scoring was just so efficient, so smooth. I mean Ben Duyaney, Jalen Penn, Ali Pepper getting to the rim, hitting shots like it's nothing. IU just looked very, very good against Purdue, and that we saw the potential that that team had. So if they if they play like they did uh, Sunday against Purdue, going into these first two Big Ten tournament matchups, I mean the first Big Ten tournament matchup, assuming they win one and have a second tournament matchup, they sh- I feel like they should be in. Um, based on what they've shown this season. But it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. And I know Raiden has been around the women's team a little bit, too, as well. Um, so feel free to yeah, chime in. Looking at the standings right now, and these are like live standings as we speak right now, but IU is tied in conference play with Purdue at 8-10. and 10. I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but I, I, this, I, they're, they're tied 1-1 one and one on the where's, season. Is Purdue, where's, where's Purdue in the rankings? Are they 12? Uh, they, we, there's tied for 10 right now, so it's... 
if if, Minnesota, if Minnesota wins their game against Michigan State, which is going on right now, and I'm pretty sure Minnesota has a lead. If Minnesota wins that game, IU is the 10th seed okay. in the tournament. I don't know why, but they are. Because they would have the tiebreaker over Purdue. Yeah. Sure. And if I don't know if they would have the tiebreaker over Minnesota. Not sure what exactly the tiebreakers are. They've only played Minnesota once and they lost. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Either the point is, a bracket will come out, and the bracket will have all 14 teams playing in Indy. Yes. We'll likely yes. see. I will likely see IU playing um, Northwestern or Michigan State in the first round. Yeah. Um, IU lost both games to Northwestern this season. They this, got really, this really is a mirror image of the men's team. It is incredible. It's incredible. Well, you, it's hard to beat a team three times, so Northwestern, <laughs> I guess look out for Terry Moore and squad in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so, – So one, how one, it was last year. One Big Ten tournament win, not enough, you don't think, to get them into the big dance. They're gonna not even with five them. quad one uh, RPI just wins. Just because as, as much as the Big Ten beats up on itself – the teams in the Big Ten and the women's women's league aren't aren't as good. Like when you look at the men's team, I mean, IU IU the men's team can lose their second round match, their second game in the Big Ten tournament to a team like Wisconsin, which is a top twenty five team. The women's team, their second round matchup is probably not going to be a ranked team, mm-hmm. so it's not going to show up. The quality at, isn't there. Yeah, the quality. The teams beat up on each other. But they're not the, the top two teams are good. You got Maryland they're, and Iowa, and they're all competitive, that, but they're just yeah. not as at high level. Yeah. I mean, IU mentally. has more quad one wins than Rutgers and Michigan. who are currently like third and fourth in the yeah. standings. Yeah, so. so it's weird that IU is even at tenth in the. Are you talking about women's or men's? Women's. Oh yeah. How, how much is that loss to Grambling State hurting them right now? Is just being a, it, being a woeful a, loss. I mean, it's a quad see it. three, maybe a quad four loss, depending on how we you look at it. We see it every yeah. year when it comes to March Madness time and Selection Sunday that a bad loss like that could really get in the way of a bubble team. So yeah. that it's going to linger. It's going to linger. And losing two games to Northwestern. Is also going to linger, um, and like, like I mentioned, they don't have as many quality wins as mm-hmm. the men's team had. I mean, when you look at their non-conference, they had a decent win at Wake Forest and a, I would say, a good win at UCLA, only because UCLA is so good at home every year. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, they had a win over Butler in South Dakota. Those are solid wins. But South, right. South Dakota is a good team. They're not. Butler moved. was undefeated at the time, but I don't. They they beat Marquette a couple weeks ago. Um, they're like like a three or four in the Big East. I I used lost to Rutgers the second time they played Rutgers. Um, if that's a game they probably should have won, and if they had won, Rutgers was ranked at the time. That would have been a big win. A lot of missed opportunities for this team. I mean, losing by twenty against Maryland, as good mm-hmm. as Maryland is, you want to at least put up a fight, especially at home. That was an all around frustrating game for Terry Moran. But yeah, if I win, if I. If they win two tournament games, I think they get in. If they win one, it's going to come down to what the committee decides. That's I mean, I guess it always comes down to what the committee decides. Yeah, so if, if you learned anything from the past 40 or so minutes of listening to us talk, it's that the committee controls everything. And as much as you want Indiana to be in the tournament or we dis- we have our opinions on Indiana should be in the tournament, it's going to be a room of like 20 to 30 people and a couple computers and a formula or two deciding how this all shakes out. So, uh, yep, that does it. I think we covered I everything. I also hope you learned that I don't care about the court storming. Yes. No, also noted, Stefan Kreischnick, you can storm the court. He's not going to have an opinion on Do it. Do it against Rutgers. He'll take Please. video of it, but he's not going to have an opinion on it. Uh, it'll be it'll be us two as well, Stefan and myself, for coverage next Sunday for Senior Day, Indiana and Rutgers. Uh, you know, go and take a look at Jared's work for IUS TV as well but on the men's Jared basketball Jared will be beat. in Florida on the beach next Sunday instead of watching IU and Rutgers. <laughs> 
Continue. No complaints That's there. That's a terrible look for the brand. No right complaints there. there, though. Continue to follow these guys for their work covering IU baseball as well as the 2019 season gets going for Jeff Mercer's ball club. And be sure, as always, to visit us, idsnews.com, idsnews.com slash sports. Follow us on Twitter. We'll continue to we'll continue to do our best to keep you plugged in to the IU athletic sports scene. For Jared and Steph, I'm Cam. We'll catch you guys next time.